0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Tom Moran here from Tom's Big Spiders. We're going to continue with the listener questions. Again, you guys gave me so many to work with here that I've probably got the next 10 of these set up. So so moving ahead, I probably won't keep... Uh, titling them all listener questions, because it kind of takes up a lot of title space where I can't get into what we're going to be talking about. And some of the ones that were asked are fantastic and might take up like almost a whole podcast unto themselves. So what we'll do is going ahead is obviously I'll credit whoever asked a question, I will mention somewhere that these are part of the listeners questions or came from the listeners questions, but we're gonna start rolling into just doing the regular podcast titles. Because what happens is I sit down and I go to do like I want to attribute it to listeners questions, because everybody that put questions for it is probably waiting to see if I'm going to answer them. So I want to make sure it's like, you know, heads up, here they come, we're going to answer some of these. However, it takes up so much of the actual title that I can't really fit in what the listener questions are we're working on, which is gonna be what's gonna attract more people to check out the podcast, I think. So, So moving ahead, this one will probably have listener's questions or something like that, and then we'll, we'll move off of it, but I'll make sure to let people know that we are dealing with listener's questions in it, because again, you guys give me so much to work with that it's gonna take me a while to work my way through it. Plus, for those of you that just like the species specific ones, um, I'll be getting back to those as well I just try to break it up a bit because I think with the species specific ones there are some people that either have the sp- species and have already had it for years and like yeah I don't care I already know this or there are people that have no interest in it so it's kind of a narrower band of of catching people's attention so I try to you know mingle in some stuff that's you know general all-purpose type topics so that more people will get enjoyment out of it. because it's one thing that the difficult part about planning these out is trying to figure out, you know, I I actually have an audience now. When I first started doing these, it was whatever I felt like talking about. And again, I still will sometimes do whatever I feel like talking about. Sometimes I hijack my own podcast just with something that happened or my own thoughts. But it, it's more thinking towards, uh, there are a lot of people out there now, hundreds of people that are listening to this that are, have some type of expectation. So I want to make sure that they at least get something out of the episode. So when I do the species specific ones, I always worry, all right, somebody's going to get done and go, well, great. I've had that one for 10 years, kept it great. I really don't need to hear this right now. So that's why I try to mix it up. So I love the listener questions though, because again, they, they allow some, you know, back and forth in a way between myself and those of you that are actually taking the time to listen to these. So, so let's get rolling with this one. The first one I'm going to take, I'm probably going to butcher your name. So please feel free to correct me on Facebook and I will apologize and, and say it correctly. And uh, as of yet, I haven't heard back. So if you, I hear back during this, I'll try to correct it. But uh, Pavel Lipski, I believe it is. It's a Polish name, if I'm not mistaken. You're from Poland. And gre- oh, Greetings from Poland. There you go. Uh, hope I got it right, Pavel. Uh, Here we go. The question is, Okay, not a question, but kind of a suggestion. Would be great if you can record an episode about beginner baboon species. Thank you very much for your effort in making podcasts and YouTube greetings from Poland. Well, I love hearing from people from other countries. Honestly, it's one of the coolest parts of this is I get to chat with I was talking to somebody the other day from Japan, which was, I think, a first for me, but it's great reaching out You know as I get off on one of my asides, it's just, for me, the fact that I can hop online and have a conversation with somebody from Poland, who's keeping tarantulas blows my mind, because it's such a strange little hobby, and to know that there are other people in other countries that enjoy the hobby just as much, in some countries, probably even more than we do in the United States, where I'm obviously from, is just such a neat thing to think about. So, So, Pavel, I hope I got your name correct, and awesome question, I honestly can't believe I've never approached this one before. Uh, and because I answer this question all the time and a lot of times what I do with my videos and podcasts is I get a bunch of questions and realize this will make a really good topic I can kind of you know have again take the easy way out and somebody asks me a question hey what are your favorite beginners uh, old world species and I go well as a matter of fact here's this podcast or here's this video I did let me know if there's any questions just saves me some time in answering mail and such so Uh, To start off, I I think we have to get this out of the way. Temperaments vary from species to species uh, or specimens to specimens, even within the same species. And one person's specimen may act differently than another person's specimen. So I want to put that little disclaimer in there because I just did a video on YouTube where I did carabina versicolor. And somebody took exception to one of the things I said on it because I said that my first carabina versicolor was not a particularly great eater. And this was an instance where she made her web up in the corner, to make a very long story short, made her web up in the corner and refused to come down to get prey. And I'm telling you, I tried, I would put a cricket in. The cricket would be there the next day, I'd put a roach in, the roach would be there the next day, unless the roach or cricket managed to climb up to where she was up top and none of them seemed to do that, she wasn't eating. So one day I finally tipped the cage over, I killed one of them, pre-killed one, took some tweezers and put it right at the bottom of her little cone, you know, she had this little web cone in the corner, she came right out, grabbed it and ate. So it was one of the only, now again, I'm not for tong, I don't tong feed anything, this is a, a, a big thing for me, I'm, I'm not a big tong feeder, but the only time I've ever tong fed an Avicularia metallica, they did the same thing, it was a larger one, it would stay up in the corner of its enclosure, and would never seem to find the prey, I thought she ate once, three days later found the cricket still in there, which is something I usually don't do, so I would tong feed her, so I have seen this behavior, so long story short, mentioned it in the video, somebody came forward, I've been raising these, and the guy obviously had his experience, and obviously had things that he had seen that told him what I was saying wasn't true and you could tell he was kind of incredulous and like oh wow I find that shocking mine have great eating habits well keep in mind everything's different and uh, you know obviously there are some species I'm going to mention that I'm going to say mine are fantastic and they're well behaved and they're laid back and somebody's going to inevitably come on and go mine's a terror I just had it with G. As I, I mentioned that G. Pocrypies, I have four of them they are laid back if I was somebody to handle spiders those would be some of the ones I'd have no problem handling And somebody came on like, mine's a nightmare. Well, okay, yours is a nightmare, but the majority of us find that ours are pretty laid back. So again, I'm putting that out there only because I never deal in absolutes in this hobby. I have a big issue with people just say, well, mine all did this, therefore that is the rule. And that's not the case. You're always going to have those outliers. And a lot of times when I try to do my podcasts or my videos, especially the husbandry videos, if I notice something strange, I like to mention it because I don't know if it's just me. It could just be me. Now, if I put up the thing about the Caribbean of Versicolor not coming down to eat and nobody else had followed through with that. Now, great to have already spoken to other people who had the same thing happen, but nobody else came and said, yeah, mine did the same thing. Then I'd be like, all right, that was something that was going on with my spider in particular. There's nothing else, you know, I don't need to mention this again, because obviously it was just my spider, and maybe it was something to do with the way I was keeping it, totally fine, and I've had things happen before, I've witnessed things, I've thrown it out there, nobody's come back with anything, like, all right, that was obviously something that just happened in my collection, however, what happens a lot is I put stuff out there, and I get a lot of people going, oh man, I thought it was just me, I thought I was the only one that saw this. I thought I was the only one that had a spider that did this, so I think a lot of it. And again, I alluded to this before: the Thomas Big Spiders thing for me is also a way for me to collect data for myself. And again, I not just for myself. I anything I learn, I pass on. But it allows me the opportunity to talk to a lot of other collectors, look at stuff that happens in my collection, and compare it to their collections, and. Kind of extrapolate some theories and some hypotheses from that. And I I love that aspect of it because it means when I put something out there, if it's something only I saw, you'll know because I will say, this happened with mine. If it's something that other people have seen, I will say, a couple people have said this. So, That's my disclaimer. I'm going to mention some spiders here that I'm sure people are going to go. Mine is a nut job. I totally understand. I'm not going to argue with you because I'm guessing yours probably is a nut job. A little crazy. That's totally okay. But I'm talking about ones that I've seen behaviors to back this up. And I've talked to other people as well. Because one of the reasons why I was so reluctant to do this list earlier on is I only had my own observation at one point. The first time I think somebody asked me this question two of the species are on this list. I think I just had one of each. Now, since then, I've had a few of one of them, and I've had 11 of the other one. So, and I have two of one species that pretty much will mention this one. You just can't get a hold of it anywhere, which is a shame because I was going to say one of my favorites, but there are people out there that, Eddie, I'm looking at you. They're going to make fun of me because I always say everything's my favorite. But starting off, two of the more common ones that I've, that I have a lot of experience with, and that I think I, I really have no problem anymore recommending because their prices have gone down or Monocentropus balfouri for number one. I think that I've kept three of them. I originally kept separately. Then obviously I have a communal of nine of them, and I have had no issues with my balfories. I've received exactly one threat post, which I believe I filmed. I went to feed it, and I startled her, and she threw up the threat pose. More often than not, the three that I kept separately were very, very shy spiders. They would burrow, they didn't eat particularly well, they took a long time to grow and reach maturity, and... And when I did catch them out, unlike other species that will, or other baboon species or old world species that will quickly clamor for cover or bolt around the enclosure if they get trapped out too far away from their burrow, these guys would just kind of calmly turn around and go to their burrows. It made it difficult sometimes to take pictures of them because i catch them out, I'd get my camera ready, and I'd basically have a lot of, I found an old phone, and I was going through the photos of it, and there was one of those like a whole series over the course of a couple of weeks of just... M. Balfoury butts, because I'd get my camera out, go to take pictures, and by the time I get over there, they're like, yep, I'm not into this, and they're halfway down their burrow, so all I got was their fannies out of it, so... I found over the time you know that obviously communal different set of behaviors those guys are really secretive they eat really well they grow very fast but I don't catch them out all that much anymore with the exception of the males that are usually out and about trying to breed each other but I found that you know as far as care goes they don't need to be kept you know they're, they're not a moisture dependent species I did keep a corner moist when I first put my slings together but none of them ever showed any type of preference for the moist areas as a matter of fact the majority of them seem to avoid it I have a lot people ask me questions about, you know, do I need to start the moistest slings? And I always find with any type of sling, it's always good to have the bottom layer a little bit moist in the very least. If they don't want the moist substrate, what they can do is they just won't burrow that far down. You'll find a lot of them will burrow down though. And think about in in the wild, it's again, I mentioned this a lot of times, we always forget the, the big X factor is the burrows. We talk about the fact that these, you know, I had somebody the other day that was putting a heat lamp on, yeah, it was a heat lamp, one of those uh, heat lights for snakes on their tarantula because he had read that the temperatures at where they come from was an African species. I can't remember which one, get to 105 degrees. So he's like, I want to make sure it's nice and warm. So I had to explain that, all right, the temperature is 105 degrees, but you're dealing with a burrowing species who's going to be burrowing down into the ground far enough that the temperatures there are probably going to be eh, 60s. I Somebody told me, I can't remember who it is, but and please chime in. That the burrows, uh, kind of across the board, are usually around high 60s or so. So that that's something right there that we forget to take into consideration, especially when we look at nat- you know their natural habitats. We go, oh, temperatures in the 90s. They must like it in the 90s. Just because the temperatures hit 90s doesn't mean that they like that. And again, if it's a burrowing species, you got to take that into account. So with the M. I found they don't, you know, especially once they put on some size, I don't worry about moistening anything down, I just give them a water dish. Slings, as I mentioned, are very shy, will burrow as they get a little bit older. They use, their burrows aren't quite as deep as the slings, but they will burrow. You want to give them space, you want to give them some dirt, but again, no moisture requirements. So the, the care on these guys, that's another thing to consider. Obviously, when we talk about best old world beginner species, people are thinking more in terms of temperament because with Old World, we're thinking about that venom, that potent venom. The whole reason Old Worlds are considered off-limits to many beginners is the fact that they've heard the horror stories of what type of damage and what type of pain the bites and other horrible symptoms, too, that the, that the bites can cause. So usually when you're thinking of beginner Old World, you're, you you want to consider the fact that obviously it's, it's about temperament, but also the care of them because some of the old world species can be a little trickier especially the you know moisture dependent burrowing species that's a step up in husbandry for many as well so we're going to try to avoid those and plus most of the ones that need the moisture dependency I'm thinking of kilobrocky species don't really have a particularly great temperament to be considered a beginner's uh anything quite frankly so although mine are fairly laid back it's it, it tends to be one of those species that when people have to do rehousings it freaks them out so we're thinking in terms of behavior mostly here but the M. Balfouria I found, they're gorgeous. They're one of the blue spiders that everybody wants, so that makes them very attractive. The temperament I found with all mine, again, I would describe it as shy. I wouldn't even quite throw up defensive. Now, I know somebody's going to come forward and say they have a defensive one. Fine. I totally believe you. I have found that the ones I kept separately or shy, the ones I keep together, a little more bold where they'll come out to hunt and be a little more visible sometimes when hunting. But again, shy. They want to stay out of the light. They come out more at night when the lights go off. When I, you know, there's a rehousing video out there where I rehoused a bunch of them and they can bolt. They are fast. And that's something that needs to be considered anybody that's moving from new worlds into old worlds, the biggest difference for many people is going to be that speed. The fact that they are going to bolt, where people get used to the new worlds, and it kind of lay back, and you know, they can boogie too, don't get me wrong. I mean, I have a homeoma chilensis once that I breathed on, and she bolted, and she moved pretty quick, so but with the old worlds, it's 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 an uptick in speed and it's an uptick in consequences you're going to receive if you make a mistake. So with most new worlds, you're going to get hair kicked at you. With an old world, if it feels cornered, if it feels threatened, it's going to stand its ground. It's going to throw up a threat posture. And the ones that really mean business are going to have those fangs bare, dripping with venom, ready to plant them in your hand. So the trick is to find ones that you're least likely to find yourself in that situation with. And I would say the M right up there with ones I've, I've had no problem with them whatsoever. And again, I have the one video up that I went to feed mine. I dropped and And the, the funny thing is I was talking, Billy and I were talking the other day about threat postures because somebody came up and said, yeah, I've got all these crazy spiders and they're always throwing threat posture. And I mean, man, I'm really lucky because I, I can't, I can count the number of threat postures I've gotten, I've I've received on like one hand and usually it's because I they're in standby mode and everybody knows standby mode is when the triantulas they're standing there but they don't seem to be awake per se and what'll happen is I'll go to drop a cricket or something and the cricket will jump up in the air bounce off one of them's you know carapace or something and they freak out throw up a threat posture before they realize oh this is dinner and they eat it so that's been about it and I believe that's what happened one time I got one from my Balfori. and I put a video up just to remind people that they are capable of that because I think the worst thing we can do as keepers is become complacent we get we start losing that respect for them we start getting lazy we start thinking oh I've had never had any problem rehousing there's going to be no issues here and I've had people like oh I do it all the time I just now I just poke them in the butt they move right over but the problem is when we become complacent we become a little bit lazy and become careless and that leads to issues so I think the trick is when moving into the old world's you want to, and this is something I've been laughed at before, where somebody asked me, do you treat all your spiders like they're all exactly the same? Like, do you treat your homeoma chalensis like it's, you know, an old world? And I said, yeah, actually, I kind of do because I want to get in those good habits. So if something goes wrong, I'm prepared for it, as opposed to like, if I'm working with one spider that I like, all right, this one's just going to kick hair. Um, I don't need to worry about this at all. It's not going to hurt me. If I get in the habit of doing that, then when I get to working with one that can put a hurting on me, I'm going to carry over those same bad habits. So I do treat them all the same. It's not that I'm afraid of them. It's I want to make sure that everything I do is automatic. So when I do have those mental lapses, things just kind of run smoothly still. Because there are days I go to do rehousings and stuff and I'm just not in it to win it and I want to get them done quickly, but I've done them so many times and done them correctly that I'm just used to, it's kind of like when you go to drive to work in the morning, And all of a sudden, you're at work and you don't remember any of the journey. It's like that. It's like, oh, the spider's in its cage. Perfect. It went well. Now I'm aware, I don't want to make it sound like I'm sleepwalking through it. It's never that bad. But I just kind of have a natural, like, I know what I need to do to keep myself and the spider safe. So something to think about when moving into them. But the Balfour, I've had no issues with those whatsoever. The thing that kept them off the list years ago was the fact they're so pricey and they're still fairly pricey. But I figure if somebody's moving into old worlds, you know, don't, 60 bucks a sling. 50 bucks a sling, whatever they're going for right now, isn't bad, especially because you're getting one of the blue spiders, and the majority of people get in the hobby are attracted to those blue spiders right off the bat, so you get to scratch the blue spider right off your list. And even cooler for folks who want to get into eventually setting up communals, they're probably the top, number one best spider for a communal in captivity. I'll throw that in there for the folks that... We'll jump on to say that we don't know if they're communal. We haven't seen it in the wild. Okay, but in captivity, they do. They seem to do well in it. So there's something too the, the communal aspect, which I'm assuming most people that are just getting into old worlds do not want to have to rehouse five to ten of them in one shot for their first old world rehousing. So a lot of people shy away from it. But it is something that makes I think that species particularly enticing. So there we go. Number one, right off the bat, the Monocentrobus balfouri. I mean, from what I've seen, I've had quite a few of them. Very shy. Behavior. They're not particularly defensive. You're not going to get a lot of threat poses out of them. They're easy to keep. They're beautiful spiders. Perfect move into keeping old worlds. Second one on my list. Unfortunately, I don't think anybody's going to be able to find this. If anybody ever sees slings of this species, please let me know because I love it. And I have two young ladies, or probably older ladies now. It's been a while. But just a gorgeous, cool, unique spider. But that would be. Eucratacellus cellus pockypus, or the stout leg baboon, I picked up my two young ladies years ago, I want to say it was from Ken the Bug Guy, and unfortunately realized now they were probably wild caught, and the majority of the E. that are available or were available in the hobby were wild caught, which I'm not down with any, you know, back, back in the day, I wasn't as aware of the issues of wild-caught specimens and pulling them out of the wild. So I'm not making excuses for it. It's just you learn more as you get into it and start looking at you know their natural environments and how the hobby really works and where these things come from originally. But I, I received originally two females. One was, I guess, a young adult now because she hasn't put on a lot of size. The other one was a juvenile. And they're a burrowing species. They have these unique, their back two legs are very thick and fluffy and It reminds me this is going to be an odd comparison, but I always call them the goat spiders because they remind me of pictures of the god or demigod Pan from Greek mythology that it's a human up half, but it has those furry legs to it. Or was it Mr. Tumnus from, I think, uh, Chronicles of Narnia? Those back legs just remind me of those furry goat legs on those, you know, on Pan or Mr. Tumnus, which I always found adorable. And their attitude, they are just the most laid-back little boogers. They do, one of the cool things is they'll do two vertical When they do the burrows, there are two vertical shoots that lead down to the actual burrow. So a lot of spiders will kind of do an angular burrow. These guys, it's straight up and down, and they use those large legs to not only dig, but to blast up out of the burrow. So I have footage somewhere, which I'm trying to find, of one of them hunting, and they're so calm and laid back they move like a brocky honestly like when they're on the surface you'll catch them out every once in a while and I always every time I catch them out I feel bad because it's, they probably don't even want to come out anymore because it's always me with the camera getting as many pictures of them as I can I do believe I included them in my video on most beautiful spiders or some beautiful spiders where I tried to put the rainbow of spiders together and they were under gold they do have a very gold sheen to them but Awesome spiders, very cool, very laid back, there are pictures out there if you look it up, and again, I don't endorse this, but of people handling theirs, and they are one that just, they there's no threat whatsoever, they move slowly, they're adorable, but you can't find them anywhere, and the problem is, it sounds like with the hobby when people were unfortunately harvesting them from the wild, the males apparently look so much different from the females that the thought at the time was that people that were harvesting them thought that it was a different species of spider. So they grabbed these females with the big fluffy, the golden females with the big fluffy back legs, and then the males look entirely different. I can't even tell you what a male looks like because I've never seen one. This is a species I would desperately love to breed, but you can't find males anywhere. So they haven't been bred. I don't think they're pulling them out of the wild anymore, which is a good thing, but unfortunately you don't see them in the hobby. I don't believe I have ever seen slings for sale but I put this one out here because a if you go back back in the day this was one of the ones that was top recommended as far as a beginner species like you know 10 years ago or so this was they were readily available and a lot of people were recommending them and I'm hoping that maybe if I raise some awareness of them something will give them we'll start seeing them come back in the hobby I don't know I, I wish somebody you know would breed them because they're just one of the cooler spiders I keep, and again, just little fuzzy cute guys with a great temperament, you just can't beat it, so I'm hoping that maybe by mentioning them here, again, if you can find them, grab one up, I mean, that, this is be one of those spiders, the the other one would be Eulathus parvulus, which I lost mine to an impaction, and I haven't seen them in a while, and I believe the one I had was probably wild caught, again, an older spe- uh, specimen, but I would love to see the e Pachypus back in the hobby. I would love an opportunity to breed them. If anybody ever gets a male, I just, I have been looking for years. I've never seen one. I've had several people, you know, email me like, hey, Tom, do you know any way to get one of these? I haven't been able to find a male. I haven't been able to find slings. Unfortunately, I'm afraid that eventually those of us who have them, once those pass on, they won't be in the hobby any longer, which is a shame because they're a really cool spider and easily, like if I had to go top number one baboon species, the to make that transition, they almost don't count because all you're dealing with is the potential of venom. But I don't see any inclination to, for them to use that venom at all. They're just that laid back. So post definitely on the list. Next one, one of my personal favorites, and I mean that. This one's easily top three. One of my favorite spiders, tarantulas of all time. I know I make a joke. Uh, there's a running joke out there that every time I introduce a spider, it's like this is one of my favorites. They all are. Again, I have only one species that I'm not particularly keen on that I will never mention but um, Harpactera pulchrapes, I adore them, I love that species, I picked, this was one that I picked up years ago, it was the most expensive spider I had at that point, I never, I had this rule where I never spent over $100 on a sling, and more often than not, it was, you know, $75 on a sling, I'm kind of cheap that way, and just, I, I would rather people have an opportunity to get them, learn the ins and outs of keeping them, so we don't have a situation like, say, a Uh, gbb when those came in the hobby everybody was keeping them moist and it was killing them off and it took people a little while to figure out how to keep them with the expensive spider i don't want to play with that however with these guys i noticed a lot of people were looking for husbandry information on them i was tom's big spiders was in full swing i was getting an audience on the website i was starting to do the youtube channel and i'm like you know what I really, really want one of these. I'm going to shell out for it and get it. And God, am I glad I did. I love this female. One of my favorite spiders of all my collection. A beautiful, just a beautiful animal. They, they, you know, as slings and juveniles. Once they start putting on those colors as juveniles, they have more of a fiery orange color to their body and then those legs i don't even know how to explain it it's like metallic plate or something it's like they're blue but like a smoky blue and the way they catch the light looks makes it look like flat plating on it that's just so unique compared to other blue tarantulas as they get older the females start to darken up a little bit and it looks more of a gold color but they're still an incredibly stunning spider just amazing and what really did it for me I was expecting, when I got these guys, I was expecting a a very defensive tarantula, and I have not experienced that at all. Mine have been as slings, they're skittish, and I will throw this out here, out there. When I first got mine, the slings are very, very skittish, will run around, and one of mine, it was the only time I've ever had an escape during rehousing that the spider didn't end up in my little rehousing pail or my little rehousing tupperware container there it actually ended up on my back first time and last time hopefully that's ever happened it was kind of fun. billy's like i can't believe this is happening this never happens but i went to put the sling in it shot up i think it went up my arm around my arm around my back and was just chilling out on my back and billy had to cup it off my back which luckily she's been working with me for a while and this. she's fantastic as far as helping and doing this stuff now and we got it back in, you know, there was no problem there, but it was like, wow, what a wake-up call, because they are, you know, as adults and juveniles, fairly laid back, but awesome species, again, I'm doing one of my, I just started a new feature on my Tom's Big Spiders YouTube page, that's going to be called Featured Species, where I'm spending, I actually started this two years ago, when I did something, it was called Tangled, Tangled Webs, it was going to be like my monthly, TV pro I don't know how to put it. I was just going to produce it a lot better and do a lot more editing and stuff like that because I don't spend a lot of time on the editing but that went by the wayside but I did start this featured species list where I wanted to take species talk a little about, bit about where they come from where they originate from I included different types. It was really supposed to be much more comprehensive. I called a lot of video from all the different videos I've taken of them and put it together, shot some videos of different types of enclosures people could use. So instead of just going, this is what I've got, here's a bunch of different things you can use and just general size. Anyway, it was just... I enjoyed doing them, but I got away from it while I started it back up again. Just did one on uh, Caribbean Versicolor, which I mentioned earlier. I'm currently working on the one for uh, Harpacteria pulchropes right now. One of the things I'm talking about is they are a wonderful beginner old world species. Once they put on some size, they are very laid back. Again, I wouldn't even say secretive for these guys. And again, people are going to have different experiences with them. So please feel free to come through. If you have one that doesn't, uh, it's a little terror, let me know, but... I currently, I've had three of them. One was a mature, unfortunately mature male. But I have two now, my big female and another juvenile that I'm hoping is female. But I get something to sex her out. And just amazing spiders. The big female, the worst I'll get. She'll sit right out in the open. And when I feed her, she'll eat right out in the open, almost like you know, like G. Porteri, G Rosea style, just right out in the open all the time. She has enough room that she could have burrowed a bit. She has a hide. What'll happen is if I go out and get the camera and put the lights on her, she just kind of slowly turns around. I have video of this in my the video I'm putting together now. Slowly turns around, just goes back in the burrow and sits there calm as can be. I've gotten I've received, I think, one threat posture from her because I accidentally dropped a cricket on her. That was it. But just an amazing animal and the juvenile once it hit around three inches or so, totally laid back I had to get footage for this video the other day so I took her out I have a new micro lens that I'm trying to a macro lens I'm trying to use for my phone so I was out practicing with that so I had all these lights on her and she just kind of patiently sat there and didn't even move and then finally got sick of the light and again slowly turned around and just went back into her. Her burrow didn't bolt, didn't run, they eat great, they grow fairly well, they end up putting on, they get some of those adult colors early on, like probably about an inch and a half or so, I think mine started showing them. Uh, I do keep them as slings a little bit moist to start off, but they never showed a real preference for it. And if you look at the area they they come from, it does get some decent amount of rain. It's not like a a desert Sahara. I think they get around, I think it's two, during the rainy seasons, close to three inches of rain. During the not-so-rainy seasons, like one inch of rain. So there are dry periods, and I think they just had a drought there recently. Again, doing some research for this video. But amazing spider, they are glorious just gorgeous animals and sweethearts as old worlds and again as I've when I first got them it was years ago when nobody knew much about them and there wasn't a lot of information but since then because I put out those videos I had a lot of people you know who picked them up not saying for my videos but they were looking for information stumbled on my videos and we had little chats back and forth about the temperaments and the majority of people that kept them said the same thing that the the males can be a little crazy so if you get a male a male's going to be a male males are going to male they're going to run around try to breed things but the females seem to be very very laid back, no threat poses to speak of, no bearing of the fangs, no defensive behavior for the most part. I mean, again, you have to keep in mind, they are old worlds, the potential, if a bite happens for, you know, the pain and the, the amount of... You know, discomfort you're going to be in is definitely not something most people would want to deal with, but it doesn't seem like that situation is particularly likely with this species. And that's what we're looking for with a good, you know, moving into old world species. Again, might make them a bad intro to old world species because the fact that they act pretty much like a new world tarantula in most cases isn't really going to prepare you for those fast Brocky species. But for somebody who wants to have the spider that has that venom, but doesn't want to deal with those behaviors yet... The H. is right up there, you know, with the M. Balfori. I I, I might even put it above the M. Balfori. The M. Balfori seem to be a little more skittish, a little less visible. With the pulchropes, it's going to be out more. You're going to see it more. You should see it more. They may burrow. They may not. Mine sits right out in the top. But you're not going to get those, you know, old world behaviors that you hear so infamously discussed on forums and on groups. So H. pulchropes, beautiful animal, very easy care. Again, I'm working on that video now. I'm not going to go into the care right now on this one. Plus, I think I might have done it already in a podcast. And just temperament-wise, sweethearts as far as the quote-unquote baboon species. All right, the next one on my list is one that I've kept two of. One, unfortunately, ended up passing away due to an impaction. It was the first spider I ever lost to an impaction. Uh, Second one ended up maturing male, but H. villicella. These guys are old world species. They're a dwarf species, very, very small. As a matter of fact, my male was tiny when he probably... Maybe an inch and a half when he matured. It kind of blew my mind a bit because he came out, he was out in the open. I'm like, oh, look at the HVL cell is out. And I realized it was a male. I was like, wow, that is a small spider. But uh, known to be fairly, you know, they can be quick, not particularly defensive, more shy. They're a burrowing species. They'll also do a lot of heavy, heavy webbing, which is fantastic. This is one of the species of spiders that be it can be kept communally. As a matter of fact, if you usually look up some of the top, you know, Communal species, they're up there with H or N in not H in say anymore, and the M. Balfori. As far as communals, a lot of folks keep them communally, but really cool little old world species. Again, small, so again, you're not dealing with a big five, six inch baboon spider that's slapping at the ground at you. They're smaller guys, and what I found from my experience is they're going to web the crud out of their containers, they're going to burrow out of it, and if disturbed, they're going to shoot right for that burrow, right for that webbing and hide. They're not going to come out and confront, which is what you want when dealing with a species that can potentially put a hurting on you with the bite. And again, they're smaller and they're cute, so that helps as well, but again, these guys pop up quite a bit on lists of the popular, you know, beginner, quote-unquote beginner old world species as a matter of fact I picked mine up years ago after reading I was thinking about putting a list together and that was one of the ones that was recommended so I'm like I got to get some of these and try them out and yeah I would definitely say they'd make good beginners old worlds especially and and for folks who want to try out the communals and aren't don't feel like they're ready for an M Balfourri communal because again those guys get rather large that might be something you start off with, just throwing that out there, because they can be set up communally, but just make sure you read up on them and find out the quote unquote rules of how to set them up, because every communal species has different, you know, different. there are different factors you need to consider if you want your communal setup to go well. Balfour seems to be the one you can do just about anything with, or just fairly, you know, few rules here and there that you want to keep a lookout like putting mature females into one with already has mature females are going to be fighting apparently that could be an issue but for the H. villicella awesome little species they're readily available, that's another thing, and I think that one thing I want to make very clear is the majority of the species, with the exception of the bus, are readily available, because that's another thing you want to think of, think about, and they're usually pretty cheap, like 35 bucks for a sling, I've seen them as low as 25 bucks for a sling, and just a cool way to kind of make that transition into dealing with, you know, more, in this case, it would be more skittish old world, I don't really see the defensiveness with this species, but you are going to get some of that speed that people are going to be looking to, or anticipate when moving into old worlds from new worlds. So a little short one there. Next one, Saratogyrus, darlingi or Marshali. I haven't kept Marshali myself. Uh, I just want to throw that out there. But I have kept darlingi. Um, I, one of the reasons I picked up Darlingi years ago is because I just thought the horn baboons were just the coolest thing on the planet. And again, I had heard they were great beginner old world, so I wanted to try them out and see if that was indeed the case. And I found, yeah, they're pretty, you know, overall, they can be a little more skittish. And somebody looking more for the old world behavior, I found that you're going to get a little more of it out of these guys. They can, when you catch them on the surface, they are burrowing species. They're going to need some deep substrate to burrow in. They'll do a little webbing up top. They'll I, I like mine because they kind of, Mine, at least, have done the Swiss cheese type burrows where there's like little burrow entrances everywhere and they hide in the bottom. But overall, shy again. I haven't seen a lot of defensiveness, although I have talked to people who have said that their Cedar Lingis can sport a little bit of an attitude, but it seems more show than anything. Mostly, if you catch them out, they're going to bolt to one of those many burrow entrances and try to hide. They're not going to try to confront you. And again, that's what we're looking for, something that's not going to stand its ground and freak out somebody that's new to old worlds that is very afraid that they're going to get bit by one. So I found that mine, again, that we're looking for those behaviors that aren't confrontational. They will bolt and hide rather than stand the ground. The majority of them are going to be under the ground most of the time. I had two slings originally. Both of them turned out to be male. And then I picked up a, a smaller sling and a larger sling more recently. One of them just, I went and checked on the other day. I'm like, ooh, he, you're getting big. And I look in there and it's, it's a male. It's got the... Uh, emboli at the end of its pedipalps, so that one's and, and they matured the males the only good thing is you'll know you have a male sooner than later because the first one I had matured in about a just over a year it matured out and the second one I had uh, took maybe a year and a half or so so if you get a male you're going to know rather quickly the other one I'm hoping is female fingers crossed but the males obviously are going to be a little more jumpy than females because once they mature, then they're out looking for ladies and they're you're, they're going to be a little more visible. The ladies I've found from talking to other people are just going to kind of hide in their burrow like what I'm seeing for my slings and juveniles. So the marshali again, I can't speak to, but that is one. The horned tarantulas are ones that tend to come up when people ask for best beginner baboon species. I found the darlingi are good. I've heard many, many people say marshali are good and then species in ceratogyrus, seem to be very popular as far as recommendations for species to start with for folks who want to move into Old World. So again, I can't comment on Marshali. I always try to only comment on things I have personal experience with, but if you do a search, you'll see they, they get recommended quite a bit, so I'm sure people know what they're talking about. So I'm throwing those in there because I know what's going to happen if somebody's going to go, oh, you said Darlingi's good. Is Marshali good? I don't know, but the general consensus seems to be that they're quite good as far as beginners. So again, if you notice the common theme here, are spiders that are going to Burrow. They're going to be more shy than defensive. You're not going to get a lot of threat postures. You're not going to get something bolting around a cage. We're talking about animals that, if set up correctly, will do well. So I mention that because any of the species on this list, if you try to keep them terrestrially, and again, I think the Harpactura pulchrapes is probably the exception here, where if you set these guys up terrestrially, there's a good chance you're still going to have a pretty laid-back spider as long as it has a hide to go under. But they do, some of the adults do like to dig. So these are all species that you want to give them ample room. You want to make sure you have a container or an enclosure with some depth so that they can dig, give them enough substrate so they can dig and get away from you and down under the ground and you shouldn't have any problems. What makes this a little more stressful is obviously when rehousing time comes around, you're going to be doing some digging unless you've mastered the flood method. I don't use it myself, but there are people out there that use it quite well. If you're going to do some digging, that's where it's going to be a little stressful. But I found mostly that when you start digging and they know you're coming in after them, they try to hide. So that's your chance to kind of dig out the dirt. They're going to try to blend in with the dirt. You cup them, you get them out of there. There's no problem. And I have plenty of videos where I've done that. And you can see, I don't get a lot of, you know, I don't have a lot of issues. I did have somebody come on and say, well, the flood method is a lot less stressful. If you're a spider, you're stressing it out, digging it that way. I think there's stress involved in any move. I'm Going to go out on a limb and say your burrow suddenly getting flooded is probably causing some stress too. I I don't know. I think the idea is to cause the least amount of stress as possible. And that means the keeper using something that they're comfortable with. For me, it's just slowly digging them out, cupping them, getting them in their new cage. I usually find they they go right into the new starter burrows and they're often on their way. They dig. The next day you come out, they're going to have some webbing over the front of it, probably some churned up dirt because they're going to have done some digging and they'll settle in pretty quickly. So that's going to be the big spot where it becomes, you know, I think with all of these species mentioned on. On this list, the rehousings, because you are going to have to do some digging if you set them up correctly, and know that if you're one of those people that has the attitude of, you know what, I paid for the spider, I want to see the spider, so I'm going to set it up as a terrestrial so I have a better chance to see it, then all bets are off as far as the behaviors are concerned. I, I firmly believe the majority of species out there, they've kept correctly, given enough room, given enough hides, given enough substrate. If they're a burrowing species, would rather run than stand their ground, but if you put them in a situation where you rip the top off of that enclosure and you expose the spiders, like, again, I always use the analogy of somebody ripping the roof off your house, that's going to freak you out, then you're probably going to end up with a spider that's a bit more defensive, so I can't, you know, in in which case you're going to deal with the behaviors that you get. And finally, on this list, a species that I have zero experience with. I will be getting one soon, I hope, because I keep meaning to get one because they've been mentioned for years on beginner. Anytime you ask somebody what the best beginner old world is, this one usually comes up, but Kenius lugardi, the Fort Hall baboon, Kenius I said it right, right? Um, obviously a relative of P. murinus or the infamous OBT, but apparently the P. lugardi's are much more laid back and I've heard them mentioned quite a bit. I remember several years ago and I did, I was lucky I had some notes I took on Best beginners, Beginner Old Worlds uh, several years ago and had some links I had saved. So I was able to go back and look at some of these, but that one's one that's mentioned quite a bit. And again, I can't speak to it, but I feel like it's mentioned so much that this wouldn't be a proper list if I didn't mention it. And I'm sure folks, again, this is where, you know, this is a whole, this whole Tom's Big spires thing is a give and take. I, I, I'm giving my examples of, the ones I've worked with personally that I think would make good ones, but I'm sure people are going to come forward with other species that they have worked with that they think make good ones. And that hopefully is going to create a little dialogue in the comment section on, you know, probably Facebook where people discuss this a little bit more. So there's even more information. So it's not just me telling you what are the good species. It's other people chime in. So hopefully some people will chime in about the ones I put here and say, yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. And I'm sure some people will chime in and say, yeah, I, I absolutely love what you said about the Hypactora is, but mine's a mad woman. Totally get it, but we want to get a general consensus here, and I think, you know, after years of keeping these guys myself and listening to other people, these are ones that I can pretty readily say are good and should be included on this list. Again, the P. Lugardi one that I don't have experience with, but as mentioned so often, I'm putting it on the end of this list is kind of a, and by the way, this one sounds like it's pretty good too. And hopefully I'll be able to get one of those and get some experience with it. I've never owned one. I've never kept one. And I don't know why I haven't bought one. It's popped up quite a bit. So we'll have to fix that gap. I guess you can only keep so many. And I do try to keep my numbers manageable, but that will be one I'll be keeping an eye out for. So then hopefully someday down the line, a couple years down the line, I can do an update on this one and go, Yes, I have kept one and yes, it is really a good beginner old world tarantula. So that would be my list of ones that I've had experience with, or in the case of the P. Lugardi, ones that everybody seems to have experience with and that they say are good old world beginners. So just to recap, that would be Monocentrobus Balfouri, e.pocypus, H. polchrapees, C. Darlingi, Marshali, H. Villacella, and P. Lugardi would be the ones on this list. Again is this every single one that would make a good beginner? I'm sure people are going to chime in with theirs and maybe we'll do a little update. Actually, that's probably what we'll do is just to start next episode off. I will, if anybody comes up with ones that they have had experience with that they think would make good beginner old worlds, we'll go through those. Now, one final thing that usually comes up, what's a good new world species to transition to that old world behavior? Two that I can think of readily off the bat would be the C. chiannopubicins or the GBB. They tend to be, uh, you know, this is the species that when people that are beginners pick them up, they always talk about how fast they are. And I I don't think they're as fast as many of the old worlds out there, but it is an uptick in, in terms of speed from some of the other new world species. They can kick hairs. They can be a little more like, these are ones that will bolt around the enclosure. if startled. So I think they make a good stepping stone to being able to deal with some of that potential Old world defensiveness, or more of the old world speed, than the fact that some of the old worlds, when they get startled, will bolt around the enclosure, which can freak people out. The other one that works pretty well is Hapalopus species Columbia large. It's a dwarf species, you know, smaller New World species, but they tend to be a little more rambunctious. I've had people say they're afraid to even open their containers because they'll run out. I know mine went through a stage where every time I opened up the container instead of retreating into their burrow they would run out. Now they weren't particularly defensive but it could be a little off-putting to go open the container and suddenly see this thing perch on the edge looking at you. So that would be another one just off the top of my head that makes a good little transition spider. I think it's one of those you know intermediate species that again you have to worry about. I do keep mine on the moisture side although they seem to be tolerant of drier conditions, but moist definitely when slings and juveniles, and heavy webbers as well, so you can kind of get used to that webbing, which a lot of the old world species will do. So those would be two, the C. chiannopubisens and the hapalopus species Columbia large. Uh, just off the top of my head, again, I'm not going into that, where right? we can do another whole podcast on things that transition, you know, which spiders we use to transition to which spiders, but I think those two are pretty good as far as getting people used to some of those more skittish behaviors. All right, so that will about do it for this one. I do want to thank a few people. Uh, Last week, somebody stumbled upon the fact that I had actually created a Patreon page about two years ago. It was like August of 2017. I just never launched it. And apparently somewhere along the lines when I was adding things to it, because one of the things, I didn't feel comfortable launching it. I wanted to make sure that anybody that pledged any money whatsoever was getting some different content or something. I wanted to do something nice for them. So it was kind of over the course of the last two years, every once in a while, dropping a a video in there or something that wasn't up on my YouTube page. And somewhere along the lines, I must have activated it. And some smart individual was able to probably went to Patreon and went, oh, let me check and see if Tom Moran has one and found it. So pledged. So I did put it up. On Facebook, I I put a note, and thank you all for your incredibly kind words. I felt embarrassed. I don't like doing those kind of posts because I was kind of grown up in a way or raised in a way that there wasn't a lot of praise in the Moran household. It was more you can't do this, you're not going to be able to do this. So I I kind of get weirded out when people say really nice things. I know it sounds odd, but I'm hoping there's some personalities and people out there that get that personality quirk that it makes me feel uncomfortable sometimes to go and read all these very – ridiculously nice things it's uh, incredibly nice i'm humbled but I'm, i'm also kind of embarrassed at the same time like oh shucks i don't know what to say So thank you all, I will go back and respond to all those afterwards, but I did put up the Patreon, it's official, I'm not going to promote it, I don't want people to feel like they need to spend their money on stuff I'm doing for free, but we've got a couple people that did go ahead and pledged and have become patrons of mine, which is just, I I still can't wrap my mind around the fact that people would want to pay money for this, but I do want to thank them publicly because I think it's really cool. And I always said that if I did one, I would be totally transparent where the money was going. So what we're going to do is this month I ran over on my podcast. I've been doing longer podcasts and I basically am allotted three hours for my plan a month and I ran over by well it's going to be just about an hour so I have to pay more for that so what we're gonna do is these guys are sponsoring the podcast which I think is amazing I I, again I have no problem footing the bill for this I have for a year and a half but if people want to support then I'm going to tell you exactly where your money's going so this month it's going to be paying for the next month of Thomas Big Spires podcast so these are the people my patrons that I would like to thank and that I am incredibly appreciative to Erica McAllister Josh Smith Katie Steinmetz Joe Gale Jody Harkley and Philip Westman. Thank you so much. Can't even begin to express how humbled I am. The fact that anybody would want to put any money toward this. Again, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around it. But it all came down to the fact that after several people asking me if I would set up a Patreon saying, let us decide what we want to do with our money. We want to support you. Uh, which I, I don't need the support, but I do appreciate the gesture. Finally, I, I promised that I would set one up and I did, and I just wasn't going to tell anybody about it. So technically I was covered. I did set one up. I figured somebody would search eventually and they did. So now it's active. So it's up there. I don't expect anybody to give to it, but I do want the folks that support me and that have put money toward it to re- realize how much I do appreciate that. So I thank you. These next you know, few episodes are on you guys. So I appreciate it very, very, much so that will about do it for this one again as always thanks so much for people who take the time to listen I, I truly appreciate it I, I have a lot of fun doing the, these and it's cool to know that they're being received well because that's like the ultimate reward nobody needs to give me anything for it just the fact that people come on every week and somebody will go hey I, I it helped me get through work or it helped me get through my commute or whatever that means a lot because I know what it's like to get through a commute or get through work so that's awesome um, as always I have Tom's big On YouTube, I have the website that I have a lot of articles lined up. This seems to be this is going to be my new catchphrase. Just talking about how I'm neglecting my website, but I do because of the fact I just did the scripts for the video. Uh, that I'm doing the featured species. I have to do a script on them to make sure that they flow well and I'm using older articles, rewriting them, and those will be going up soon so people that see the videos that want the text format, that'll be there as well. Plus, I'm just going to start posting some fun stuff up to keep it going. Um, and I'm still working on that list of vendors. I apologize. That's been a while now. Um, I broke it out again the other day, but it was there was some huge gaps. There was some things I needed to check out on it because the problem is, Every time somebody would recommend one, I'd have somebody else go, don't use this place. So it made it a little more difficult, but I'm still working on that. We'll get that hopefully done by the end of the summer. So as always, thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you guys next time.